Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Red Reality Show Network, but we're going to kick it off with our intro. Let's get the show on the road. That's right. It's the Rad Reality Show. Um, hello, everyone in the chat room. Sit back and enjoy, because you know what? You know what day it is? It's Monday. That means it's Manic Monday, and that means it's time for... Manic Monday. Um, tonight, Michelle Costa won't be able to be here. Um, I hate, hate when she's not around on Mondays. But anyways, I wanted to make sure you guys know the number to call in. It's 347-237-5506. So I want you guys to call in. We want to hear from you. The show is for you guys. Welcome, Survivor fans. Happy Manic Mondays, everyone. This is the Rad Reality Show Network. It's December 12, 2016. I'm Cherry Garcia. I'll be your host tonight because our usual host, Michelle Costa from Big Brother Season 10, is working at the Patriots game at Gillette Stadium tonight. So we miss you, Michelle. We hope you're warm, and we hope you're making lots of money. But the show must go on. And with the Survivor Millennials versus uh, Gen X finale happening in just two short days, I thought it would be awesome to bring on Mr. Dan the Animal Foley from Survivor Worlds Apart to discuss the entire season of Survivor Millennials versus Gen X and just talk about the cast, what we've liked about this season, what we didn't like, and of course, who we think think might make it to the final three and who we want to see win. Um, of course, we always invite fans to call in at one three four seven two three seven five five zero six. However, I am alone on the switchboard tonight, so please give me a few minutes to answer your calls. Make sure you do press the number one key on your phone. That lets me know that you're ready to join us on air. And 
our ho- our guest is already on the switchboard, so let's go ahead and bring him up and get this party started. We have from Survivor Worlds Apart, Mr. Dan Foley with us. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm doing great. Cherry, how are you doing tonight, sweetheart? Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. I finally get you to myself. No Michelle in the way this time. I'm looking <laughs> forward to this. Uh, me as well. Me as well. I think this is my treat. I want to know, from the very beginning of this season, okay. all the way back to the very start, Yep. who was your pick? Like, who did you, from, from their very first intros, who right, did you pick? Right from the get-go. I got to yeah. tell you, um, I liked... I liked Zeke right right out of the gate. Um, he seemed like a smart guy. Uh, seemed like a good player, but he didn't seem too enthusiastic, which is good. I mean that in a very positive way. I felt like he had enough reservation to his game. Um, I liked Michaela. I thought Michaela was absolutely going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, I, you know, I like Brett. He's a big guy like me, you know. I gotta, I gotta throw up my love to the fat guys, you know. They're, uh, they're starting to explore a little bit, uh, a little bit more diversity in their body types, which I think is a good thing. I mean, if they just keep putting on the figgies and the tails and you know, just these same hot bodies all the time that may not be very, that aren't as exciting sometimes. You know, just because you're not pretty doesn't mean you aren't exciting. Doesn't mean you aren't captivating. So, I had uh, high I hopes for Brett. I couldn't agree more with you. <laughs> I couldn't I agree mean, more with you. Well, I mean, it was what was it right before uh, Survivor One World? I think Probst actually put out there on Twitter or something what people thought of the previous season. I can't remember what the previous season was right off the top of my head. And they had people commented that there wasn't enough eye candy. There wasn't enough, um, you know, uh, visual enticement to keep people watching the show. So they put together Survivor One World, and they said it was one of the most beautiful casts they ever put together, and it was one of the worst seasons ever. Um, You know, I mean, beauty does, you know, if you have a beautiful person who's dull, boring, and vapid, you know, would you rather watch that, or would you rather watch a fat, ugly, bald guy who's interesting, dynamic, and charismatic? You know, whether you love him or hate him or her for that matter, doesn't matter because that's going to that's gonna keep you watching. Beauty may get you to start watching, but interesting is going to keep you watching. Exactly. So. And, you know, you need people that, that others can relate to. And if there's relatability, you're going to stay watching much longer than the, the eye candy ever will keep the interest, you know? Well, if the you can relate woman, to them and root for them, you're gonna yes. you're gonna stay longer. I mean, you know, there is something to the eye candy. You know, you have to have a couple of token hot bodies on there. You have to have it. I mean, I understand that. Sure. But if if all you're doing is stacking the deck with hot bodies, I, I, I remember reading something somewhere that said the average woman in this country is a size 14, but the average reality show contestant is a size two. Well, what part of that is actually reality? You know, so, you know, I, I think there's something to be said for that. And I think this was a, 
a more diverse cast when it came to looks and body types, and I, I think the, I think it was it was good. I think it was a good thing. I so agree with you. And along with the the body type, the personality, you know, types were diverse as well. I really enjoyed the season. It was cast very well, in my opinion. I I thought they did a really good casting job this season. Um, I think they did an okay job. I don't think they did a great job. Uh, I think, you know, some of the people that get weeded out early, uh, it was good that some of those people went. Um, I don't know. It's it, This season seemed to start off very slow, really slow. And I was, I was a little disappointed. I, I had, I had fairly low expectations and I'm sure I'll get all kinds of hate for this, but whatever. It's my opinion, and I have a right to it. And if you don't agree with me, then call up and, and beat me up for it. But um, Everybody I has very... the right to their own opinion. Uh, well, I don't apparently, but <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> I hear you do. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I Like I said, I, just, I had very low expectations for the season, um, and I, I think it, there were many – especially early on, it was like ugh, another episode. You know, we, it felt like we were drudging through it. Um, things really picked up at the rock draw, at the rock draw where Jessica, where Jessica was eliminated. Um, I think that was far and away the most exciting episode of the season. Uh, you know, before that it was, Michaela was cool. Her elimination was wild. Um, you know, just her shock and awe at being eliminated at that point. But other than that, it was, I was okay. I was floored by her getting eliminated. I was so team Michaela. And when she got eliminated, I was absolutely, I was blindsided, I think, as much as, as she was. I really? I was just blown away, yes. I was just it was a, so. It was a uh, great move. It was an absolutely brilliant move. It, it was absolutely fantastic. I don't know if, if if Jay is an actual applicant or if he's a recruit. How well he knows the game, but to get rid of her right before the merge was brilliant. He couldn't have done that any better. Couldn't have. If she made it to individual challenges, she would have been an absolute beast. And he took out a major threat in challenges just at the right time. It was brilliant. It was a genius move. Broke my heart. I wanted to see Michaela go further. Loved her to pieces. Absolutely loved her. I would have loved to have seen what this woman was going to do. I was so excited to see her go further. But as far as survivor gameplay, genius maneuver to get rid of her. Yeah. It's so true. You know, I wanted to see her go far. You're right. It was if if she would have gotten past into individual, you know, gameplay, she would have torn it up. Oh God, yeah. Oh, without a doubt, without question. You know, I mean, she was. She's a no nonsense gal. She says it like it is, which I love and I respect the hell out of that. She took no guff. And 
if you were in her way, she would tell you to get out of her way. There was one challenge. What was she working with? Who was she working with? And she told the person, just get out of my way. You know? Hannah. And she, was it? Yeah. Oh, God, that was awesome. I, I, I sat there watching that episode laughing hysterically. Absolute just, oh, the bulldozer that is Michaela, the hurricane that is Michaela. I loved it. Absolutely loved her. But from a, from a, a viewer standpoint, I was heartbroken to see her go. But as a person that's actually played the game, it was brilliant, and she had to go. And getting rid of her prior to the merge, it, it was genius. It was an absolutely brilliant move. And he looked at her with, with just this cold, stone face, and she goes, did you vote for me? And he goes, yes, I did. And with absolutely no emotion in his face whatsoever. It, it was awesome. It was absolutely spectacular, and I loved it. I loved it. I was heartbroken, and I was in, in love all at the same time. <laughs> Survivor can do that to us, right? <laughs> That's for damn sure. <laughs> oh, my goodness. There was a lot of good blindsides in this game this season, which, you know, there often are, but there were some really good ones. Um, but the rock draw, only Oof. the third in, in Survivor history. Yes. Was a big one. And that one, I mean, I felt really bad for her in a way. Um, you know, it, she made the decision. She could have flipped her vote. Yeah, she but, could have. But she made I mean, the decision to stay in and, and lock down her vote. If if she wouldn't have, if she would have changed her vote, it would have been Hannah going out, right? Yes. And yes, she would have, she would have voted against Hannah. So instead, she stayed stayed her ground, and you know, played roulette, and it bit her. And well, I felt so bad for her. You know, she was just in tears. She really wanted to play this game. Well, you you heard her at tribal council, and she, and again the magic of editing, she was the only person you heard say, I don't want to draw rocks. I don't want to draw rocks. And she's the one that drew the rock. Now, everybody keeps focusing on her because she drew it. Nobody seems to be talking about the other five because every move that you make in this game is either brilliant or sheer stupidity, only based upon the outcome. So it was a brilliant move on Brett's. It was a brilliant move on, on everybody else that drew rocks, except for her. It was a stupid move. Well, she did the same thing everybody else did. She was just the unfortunate one. Brett could have flipped his vote. Will could have flipped his vote. Jay could have flipped his vote. Nobody else right. went to anybody else. They targeted her. And in all likelihood, others said, I don't want to draw rocks, too but they edited that out and only showed her saying it because she was exactly. the one that got it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, and in, and ed, the editing of the show is like manipulating time. 
because you see right. the entire outcome of the game, but you can go back in time and pick and choose what you want to put in to keep the audience guessing. So by putting right. that in there, as soon as I heard her say, I don't want to draw rocks, I said, she's going home. She's, she's, drawing, the, she's drawing the black rock. Yeah. And as soon as I heard her say that, I knew for a fact that she was the one to go home. And, uh, and I was actually, um, I actually reached out to her after she got voted out because the next week was the loved one's visit. So her husband was there and she didn't get to see him, just like my wife was in uh, Nicaragua because I got kicked out right before the loved one's visit as well and they wouldn't let me see my wife either. So I had reached out to her and she said that she was a fan and, and she's like, I remember you saying flippers never win. And she's like, if I flip at that point, when anybody else could have done the same thing, but if I do it, now I put somebody on the jury who's guaranteed not to vote for me. And I said, yep. And she goes, now all of a sudden I'm a target because I flipped. And at some point, the lines of alliance start to crumble because the numbers dwindle. But at that point, they hadn't. They were two very distinctive lines in the sand. Uh, there was one very distinctive line on sand for the two sides. And she said, I was very concerned about that. I didn't want to flip, but I didn't want to draw rocks either. So it was, you know, it's a difficult position to be in. And for someone like Brett or Sunday or Will or Jay, you're a hero. You're a hero because you don't have to draw rocks and you didn't draw the bad one. You know, but she drew the bad rock, so... Everybody picks on her saying it was a stupid move. Well, it wasn't. It was a good move. She took a chance, and it just, she paid the price for it. That's all. Yeah. So do you know what color the rocks were in all three of the seasons of the rock draws? Oh, dear God, no. (laughs) (laughs) In Marquesas, the safe rock was yellow, and the elimination rock, the safe rocks were yellow, and the elimination rock was purple. Okay. In Blood versus Water, the safe rocks were black and the elimination rock was white. And in Survivor Millennials versus Gen X, the safe rocks were white and the elimination rock was black. Interesting. I wonder why they, they change it up colors. each time. I yeah, don't know. I wonder why. I wonder I if there's know. any rhyme or reason to that. Huh. Whatever. I mean, what, what was your take every on the time rock they've draw? done a rock draw. What was your take on it? I think they were, it, it was just them standing their ground and, and they weren't going to budge on it. They weren't going to let Heather, uh, not Heather, but um, Hannah go. I don't know if it was about Hannah as much as it was one of ours. Yeah, the, the, one indi- of, one of the individual. Yeah. yeah, the individual that was on the hook was irrelevant. It was the two factions warring against each other, and they were right. basically they were basically defending their own. So whether it was David, whether it was Adam, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. They were just trying to defend their numbers because Survivor is, was, and ever shall be a game of numbers. And if you don't have the numbers in your favor. You have no hope in the game. Yeah, they wanted they wanted to maintain 
the numbers, you know, and if they didn't if they didn't do that and maintain numbers, then they would have been on the lower end of the numbers game and Exactly. You never want to you never want to be on on the lower end of the numbers game in Survivor. No. No, it's a very dangerous position to be in. Very few people can pull that off. I mean, uh, uh, Chris Daughtry did it in Vanuatu. I mean, it was him versus, what, seven women, six women? And he, and he was able to still win the game. I mean, very Master few people have – Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely genius on his part and sheer stupidity on the part of everybody else, you know? Uh, Stephanie Lagosa almost did it the first time. Oh, it, it was genius. It, yeah. it really was. He he is a true deserver of the million dollars because he played that game so incredibly well and a super nice guy. I was able to spend some time oh, with him yeah. at a charity event earlier this year, and he is such a great guy. And his wife, too. I love both of them so much. Oh, she is she is an absolute doll. She is a sweetheart. Really wonderful nice to have finally people. met them. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful people. I, I, I've i met them a few times and had the pleasure of spending time with them. And I, I mean, they are just two of the best people on the planet. I really, really enjoyed spending time with them. And definitely, definitely deserved to win that game. Oh, God, yeah. And, you know, it hasn't oh. changed him a bit. No. You know. very. I mean, very few winners you know, from what I have seen, you know, have truly been changed. There's a handful of them, but, um, but the majority of them, you know, they're like, all right, I got a $650,000 after taxes now, you know, and it's, it's great. You know, a lot of them try to do some good with it. A lot of them, you know, Bob Crowley, he, he padded his retirement and he's trying to make something in his retirement with his, uh, with the yurt, you know, business that he's got going and, and the whole property thing that he does. And it's, it's awesome. And, Mike Holloway, he's doing his T-shirt business. Looks like he may be going back to the oil fields for a few years next year. Um, but, you know, for the most part, the vast majority of these people aren't really changing all that much. You know, there's very sadly, few... Sadly, Pat Erzog is one of the few that... Say, I said, sadly, Pat Herzog is one of the few that really seem to have a rough time with the, his win. And he was just on Dr. Phil for like the fourth yes. time. Yeah. The first, I, the first time he was on there, it was, he was blindsided. It was an intervention and he was, he was furious. He was seething over it. And uh, I guess this latest time he, he begged, you know, help me, please. Yeah. He and it's, literally it's, it's, had it's on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Is I, I just wonder, you know, how much damage he has done to his internal organs because they said he was drinking like two bottles of vodka per day, you know, per day uh, and per day. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's just so much that you're, and he's been doing it for so long. At oh, that yeah. point, yeah, his... you could be doing in, internal damage that's so bad that it could be irreversible. Oh, his liver has definitely. Uh, suffered some some major consequences. Um, Rodney yeah. Lavoie from my season, he actually got involved with a another organization 
called Bullies, uh, Reality Against Bullies. And, yes, um, I'm aware. And it's, very, it's, very, it's a very unconventional uh, t- definition of quote-unquote bullies. Uh, in the way that Rodney defines it, bullies are not just people that pick on you in the schoolyard. Bullies could be addiction. Uh, bullies could be, you know, anything like that. Bullies can be a, a cancer, a disease, uh, addiction, anything like that. And uh, uh, Rodney actually posted a, a really, really touching post up on Facebook for Todd, um, and he hashtagged it, Pray for Todd. And, uh, you know, I mean, we all, you know, all of us, you know, whether for those of us that are, you know, that get along or those of us that don't get along, we're still all a part of this dysfunctional survivor family, and uh, we certainly don't want to see any of our friends uh, or any of our, you know, cohorts in crime, so to speak, you know, suffer with this type of a burden. And uh, Absolutely. I, I, I wish Todd all the very best. I hope he gets the help that he needs, and I hope he, uh, you know, I hope he's able to, to fight this bully off. If anybody can help him, I certainly think Dr. Phil could. You know, he's certainly got the means, you know, the, the money to do it and the, the means to do it, the doctor's facilities, that kind of thing to do it. So he's gone to the right person, and I think Dr. Phil will, you know, do everything that he can to to help him. Um, and I pray that, you know, he accepts the help, and, and once he's out, it's fighting those br- burdens every day when he's by himself. That's the hardest it's, part, you know. Yeah, it's the it's the day to day demons. That's the, that's the most right. difficult part. And I mean, honestly, I mean, willpower is is in a lot of ways, it's just another muscle. It's just something else that you have to train. You know, whether you're trying to cut down on eating or you're trying to stop smoking or you're trying to put down the bottle. You know, every day is a challenge. Every day is a struggle. And if you succeed today, well, then maybe the next day you can go two days, you know, and then maybe after that you can go three and you might slide backwards, but then, you know, it makes it easier to succeed down the road, but you have to stay the course. And like I said, my heart goes out to Todd. I just, I can't even imagine being in that kind of a position. And I, like I said, I just, I certainly hope all the best for him and I hope he accepts the help that's there in front of him. And since he's asking for it, you know, I'm very optimistic you know, um, yeah, they're doing the, great the help, things with that bully foundation. Yeah, yeah, great. So, that. so, so all the anyway, best. Anyway, back Todd. to yeah, I agree. I, I certainly hope Todd does you know really well in this program. Um, back to millennials versus uh, Gen X. Who do you think might make it to the final three? Oh, well, um, <laughs> I got to tell you, I was, I was boggled by um, the two-hour, the two-hour vote. I mean, I saw Will going a mile away. That was that was an easy call. Um, it's funny. I I actually was on Survivor Talk with D and D earlier last week, and I know Will hasn't said it like this. But I'm sorry. All I can hear every time that kid opened his mouth was, "I want to be in charge." That's that's all I could hear every time, and it just it just made me laugh. And I'm like, "Dude, shut up! Shut your mouth! Let everybody else fight, and then you can come across and you can play 
hey, I was puppet master. I was whispering in this person's ear and whispering in that person's ear. Because Captain Coattails works. Ask Sandra Diaz. She won the game twice. Michelle from uh, Brains, Bronze, and Beauty 2, she won that way. Several people have won with the Captain Coattails. Just because other people are the bulls in the china shop doesn't make you a goat. You know, you have to be aware of how people are getting voted out. And if you can point out other people's flaws that are sitting next to you at the final three, well, you, then you get a damn to sit there and flip like that, and when he looked at the camera on one of his confessionals, and he says, I'm going to flip-flop my way to the final three. And I'm like, this is where, this is where you got to listen to me. Flippers never win. <laughs> and I've been beat up for the comment. I've been beat up for it many, many times. You know, there's a difference between blindsiding and flipping, and, uh, you know, I know that there are some people that have flipped and won the game, but for the, it's a pretty it's a pretty solid rule of thumb to go with, and uh, and he was the first one voted off. And the best part of that episode, and I could I kept getting confused because Jeff kept giving him all the credit for the flip, and it really it's like, all right, was it is it the chicken or the egg? Does Will get credit for flipping because that's why Zeke went home, or does Adam take the wind out of? Will Sales, because he played the idol and his flip was irrelevant. You know, which one was it? And as far as I'm concerned, Adam made the last move, so he gets credit for saving Hannah. He gets credit for Zeke going home because all the votes against Hannah didn't count. So Will's right. flip doesn't count. He flips for nothing, and then Will ends up paying the price because of it. So no matter what, he was screwed. I, it was just, it was a bad move to announce it. Ken was almost as stupid for blowing up that. I, I'm not sure what Ken was thinking. Unless he was just completely untrustworthy. He was so untrusting of Will's offer that he wanted to turn the tables and then put the heat on Will to hopefully save himself or anybody else in his alliance. Which, if that's I'm not case, sure what was going on with Ken when he blew that up, but it scared, because I was really Team Ken. I have I have been really, you know, all season long liking Dave, Dave and Ken just for the people they are. Um, you know, Dave is, is a person who is very strategic, and Ken is one of the people who, back in the earlier days of, of the season, he was literally feeding his tribe and keeping his tribe together, basically. But he wasn't one of those people who needed all the accolades for it, like a lot of people do. You know, right. some people feed their tribe and, and they do all these things around camp and they expect people to notice them and and pay them respect for it and, you know, show them a lot of gratitude and respect for the things they're doing for feeding them and, and taking care of camp and building fire and doing all the things Ken was doing. Ken was doing all that, but he wasn't expecting anything in return. He was just doing it and going about his way. You know, he was so humble about everything. And to me... You know, I haven't seen a lot of that on Survivor 
you know, it's it's either, you know, I'm taking care of my camp and I want people to really notice that I'm doing it or somebody else is doing it, you know. Um, but, I mean, he just really impressed me early on. So I was really on Team David and Team Ken. Okay. And then when when Ken blew up his game like that, I was just like, "What is he doing?" And I think at that point, his nerves were getting to the best of him. It was part of the thing, and he did have a problem with with trusting Will. I think. Um. And I think it almost made him mad, you know, that they were coming to him and saying, you know, this is the offering, this is what's going down. And I I think he let his emotions get the better of him before he sat back and thought about what he was doing. He just went instantaneously before he gave himself time to think about what he was doing. Well, I think and the his, consequences of it. Yeah, um, I mean, right now, you know, he was fortunate he didn't suffer any consequences. Will suffered the consequences, and like I said, if that was his plan, that's a pretty good move, you know. But I got to tell you, I don't think that was his plan. Um, you know, I mean, I understand what you're saying about Ken in the in the beginning of the season you know, not looking for the accolades. And I look at Ken and I think, all right, this guy's, I don't, I have no idea whether it's true or not, but I looked at Ken immediately and I think, all right, he's a recruit. He's eye candy. You know, we got to have our male model six pack out there to keep the women happy. That's what I expected. And I expected no game from this guy. I expected nothing. And I was very, very pleasantly wrong, very wrong. And then he did that maneuver last week with Will, and I'm like, what are you thinking? What the hell are you doing? And it really kind of shattered my my, my confidence in the guy at this point. Um, but, you know, that's one get... error. Every, every individual can make one error. I mean, he's that's weak. A huge, weak that's a huge there. error. That is a monstrous error very late in the game. I mean that's the kind of that's the kind of error that could have gotten him voted out. Sure. That is a that is a huge error to make really late in the game. And yes, you're right. Anybody can make a mistake. I mean, you could say Jessica made a mistake. You could say, you know, I made good lord countless mistakes. But that's a strategic mistake. That's a mistake that you make consciously. And there's a difference between screwing up a slide puzzle because I read it wrong and consciously, you know, blowing up somebody's game publicly. So, again, I'm trying to give him the credit, you know, for making a good move, but I don't know whether it, it was he, he planned it that way or not. But, right. again, every move could be brilliant. Every move could be moronic. It just depends on the outcome. You know? I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I mean, every, people could say that Mike's move during my season to – piss everybody off after we get the loved ones letter was the biggest mistake in the survivor history, but he won the game, didn't he? Well, I guess it was a great move then only because it worked out in his favor. So 
you know, and you could say that about countless other survivors. That could have worked out to be the dumbest move ever, but it worked in their favor. So in this oh, I was so case, afraid he was going to go home. I was too. <laughs> I, absolutely. So at this point, who do you think is in the strongest, who's in the best position to actually win this game? I definitely think Adam and and Jay um, are two big contenders. And I also think Brett is a, a contender. Really? Um, in a way, I do you, because he hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't done much to upset any of the jury. Okay, but he hasn't done anything either. It just seems like he's always. I, I've met Brett. I've spoken with Brett. But what did Brett. you just say earlier? What did you just say earlier about riding the coattails to the end? Absolutely, I did say that, and that is, you know, again, in other seasons, that's the case. In this particular season, I don't think it could be pulled off. I think they're, I think this jury is too savvy. I think this jury wants to see gameplay. I, like I said, I was talking about other people in other seasons and whatnot, but Will throwing himself into the ring screaming, look at me, look at me, it's almost never a good move. But if he made it to the end, I think no matter what, Will was going to be considered a GOAT it was a little too late to try to throw your hat into the ring to make big moves and then simultaneously announce that you were trying to make big moves. That was just, that was just dumb. That was just inexperienced. That was just youth. Um, Brett. I would love to see David in the finals. That's who I would love to see make it to the finals um, is, well, is David. I, I, I think it might be the greatest final three ever if it was Adam, Jay, and David. Because these are all three incredibly strong people. And from a viewer's standpoint, that's kind of what you want to see. You want to see the strong people battle it out. And if it was, if that was the final three, I think we could see a tie. I think we could actually, I think we could see a tie. Um, I'm really impressed that you said Adam. I think Adam is grossly underrated. I think Adam is a serious contender to win this game. I think there is way too much. I actually think that the cast is really, uh, I think they made a huge mistake because Hannah was so worried about Sunday, who is a clear goat, and she could have taken out Adam. uh, She could have taken out David. She could have taken out Jay. She could have taken out anybody. And she chose not to. She actually was so worried about the goat Sunday 
Like, what are you thinking? Holy I know. That, that didn't make any sense to me either. None. They got rid of Will, who's a goat, and they got rid of Sunday, who's a goat. You know, and it was the just... most least threatening... Wow. 100%. Those are the least threatening people left on the show. And um, they voted them out. I don't know. I think Hannah's pretty unthreatening. I don't think there's any scenario with who's left in this game that Hannah could win. I don't think there's any scenario. I... Uh, I've been going through the, you know, the people and who's left in my mind. I think the possibly the weakest finish we could have at this point would be Brett, Hannah, and Ken. And I think Ken would win that. Based upon what we've seen in the edit and what they've shown us and whatnot. But I think Ken would win that. Um, I think it would be close between Ken and Brett. But I don't think Hannah has any shot. Not zero. Um, I think Hannah would be, be able to out-talk um, Sunday and things that, nope. that she was involved in. I think Hannah would get in front of that jury and have a panic attack and pass out. Nope. Absolutely well, not. You might be I right. Think, you might be right. I think Sunday, I think Sunday would get to that. If, if Sunday was there with Hannah... Sunday would probably talk about surviving breast cancer and, um, you know, she would talk about, uh, you know, aligning herself with other people and blah, blah, blah. And if once she pulls out the breast cancer card, she wins. She wins. I don't think Hannah could have beaten, I don't think Hannah could have beaten anybody. I, I really don't see, and again, I'm not trying to, if Hannah listens to this, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to insult you. This is just my opinion on what we've seen. This is nothing derogatory towards you by any means. I just, I just, based upon what we've seen, I don't think she has what it takes to win this game. Adam's um, backstory. Jay, what's that? Adam's backstory is something Adam's gonna, that... Yeah, Adam's backstory you know, is great. If he talks about why he's there when he does his speech... And he he breaks down and really you know goes deep into his emotions once he you know is final three. I think he's going to garner their votes. Oh, absolutely! He will he will absolutely garner the sympathy vote from that. No two ways about it. I think Adam has played a spectacular game. Um, I think David. Uh, David has, is getting a Cochrane underdog edit. I think they love his transformation. Everybody does. He has grown you know? more than yes. anybody I've ever seen on Survivor. He was scared of his own shadow. Yes, I would absolutely agree with that. I, I don't think we've ever seen as much personal growth beyond the actual game itself out of any contestant as we have out of David. Um, he is just a diehard super fan who was, you know, living in a tiny little bubble and he's he's experienced the adventure of a lifetime and he's made it to the final episode. And um I mean Jay's got a good story too with his mom. You know, his I mean if you've got, you know, Adam's story about his mom and you've got Jay's story about about his mom having, you know, with all of her aneurysm with the the did he say aneurysms? I think it was. I think so. 
I mean, I think if Jay makes it to the end, Jay is going to be very difficult to beat. But if it's if it's Jay, David, and Adam, I think we could see a David and Jay tie. I think those two would probably tie. I think people would respect where where David was and where David ended up and what he became. And I think people and I think there's a lot of friendly people on that jury towards Jay. And I think we could see a tie. Um, I think this is going to be fabulous. It's going to be a good finale. I it's going to be a good finish. Yeah, I think if if David if David individually faces any of the other three, David wins. And I think the same is true for Jay and Adam. If if either one of those three face any combination of the other three, I think I think David, Jay, or Adam, they beat. Brett, Hannah, or Ken, hands down. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you're right there. So, Brett, you know, if you, I was looking you, at, at all the names, and I mentioned Brett first because I was just scrolling through the names, but you know, Brett hasn't hasn't made any enemies in the jury, but I, I don't think he's done anything compared to David or Jay or Adam. And well, this, I think you're right. I think that's the final three right there. I don't. I don't think Brett's made any enemies, but I don't think he's made any big friends either, um, other than Chris. And this jury doesn't seem to be as pissed off as last season. Last season was an angry jury, and um, you know, people ask me, they're like, "Well." You know, do you think they were wrong to vote for Michelle as the winner? I'm like, no, the jury is never wrong. That is their opinion, and you cannot tell somebody that their opinion is wrong. You can try to give them more information so they can make a more informed decision, but in this particular case, if you weren't there, you're the uninformed one. So those people voted for who they wanted, and their decision is never wrong, ever. As far as I'm concerned, the jury's vote is always 100% right because they have infinitely more information than we have. So they decided that Michelle was the winner, then Michelle deserves to be the winner, and that's the end of it. But there was a lot of anger on that last jury, and I don't think this jury is anywhere near as angry. I think there's a lot more. Uh, I think there's a lot more respect for the game. Right. And uh, when I when we played when I actually got to go, Probst during my interview for to be on the show, he asked me how the game has evolved in the last five years. And that's what I told him. I said, I think the game has dramatically evolved because people are more savvy. It, they're, more, they're more in tune to the concept that it's still a game. And it's easy to say that when you sit on your couch. It's easy to say that when you are not deeply ensconced far into the game and you're thinking about that million dollars, you know, you're thinking about, you know, that is, I couldn't retire on that money, but that's certainly a, you know, that would change a lot of things in my life. You know, so when somebody, when somebody votes you out of the game, they are taking a million dollars out of your pocket. And I, you know, again, you don't have to agree with me if you want, but in my opinion, if you walk out of that game and you are neither uh, crying 
angry, you are not really there to win the game. You are only there to play the game. And there's a difference. And that's just my opinion. So people just don't send me hate. And I'm tired <laughs> of all the hate that everybody was sending me. So just you shouldn't my be opinion. getting hate, Dan. Oh, oh, I was getting death threats like you wouldn't believe. Oh, I got my hundreds, gosh. Oh, I got hundreds, hundreds of death threats. Hundreds of them. It was unbelievable. Are you serious? Yes. Yeah, people take this game way too seriously, and you can't, you can't ever fully understand what this game is when you sit at home on the couch. You just can't. I thought I could, and I felt like I had a really good understanding of it. And for, in a lot of ways, I did. And in a lot of ways, I did not. Because I kept telling myself, I'm just going to go in, and I'm just going to play the game. I am not going to form bonds. I'm not going to grow attached to these people. You can't help it. You can't help but depend on these people. You can't help but grow attached to these people. Whether you love them or hate them is an attachment there. And it's very difficult to, to keep that totally separate. And I'm a very logical person, and I still couldn't do it. I could not do it. So it's, like I said, it's very easy to sit back. I, rem- I actually remember word for word the worst thing anybody said to me. Um, they actually sent me a, a message and they told me what a, and I, word for word, I remember it. They said, what a weak, pathetic, feeble-minded moron your wife must be to be married to a pig like you. Oh, my God. That was far and away the worst thing that anybody sent me. And I sent this person a message back, and I said, you say anything you want about me, but if you say another word about my wife, as God is my witness, I will hunt you down. And I hashtagged, Kurt Schilling. I don't know if you people know about that, but Kurt Schilling was a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox at the 2004 World Series. He was one of the star pitchers, and his daughter went to college, and he was so proud of his daughter. He had a picture in front of the college that she was going to, and he put it up on Twitter, and these trolls are out there, and they just started posting this. They started making horrific sexually charged comments, derogatory comments, some really trashy things about his little girl and, you know, his, his proud accomplishment, you know, the, the pride that a dad has. Well, well, he's rich. He's, you know, he's part of the World Series, you know, Red Sox. So he paid professionals, like Internet professionals, to find these people, and he did. And he found these people, and he started to harass them. They lost their jobs. They lost their homes. He ruined them. And I couldn't cheer for this guy loud enough. Good for you. People sit behind their computers, and they judge, and they make horrific comments about people because they can. And it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean it's, you know, it's easy to read these comments. And after I sent them, you know, you know whoever this Whoever, I, whoever this was, once I sent them that, you know, the hashtag and my comment, all of a sudden I was either blocked or the account disappeared, one or the other. I have seen and, and actually witnessed, you know, the Red Reality Show has been around since 2009. Yep. And I have witnessed with social media growing, especially Twitter. Um, But Facebook has gotten a lot more active, too. Um, The whole social media scene, people have gotten so much 
demeanor with yes. all all realms of reality TV. And it's beyond me why people can't like that's okay. Go ahead. But people can't let go of it and realize that this is this is just a game. I mean, we see it in Big Brother. Big Brother is one of the worst ever because people are involved in that 24 hours a day, seven days a week for almost 100 days. Yeah. And people get so wrapped up in that show, and the house guests come out, and they're fine. They've all squashed any any you know issues they had in the house they're put everything behind them but the fans are all still holding on to it and are making threats against these people's families and all, all kinds of craziness and it's just like people leave it alone you know I actually, the house I actually guests are out having fun with each other they're out at the bar having a great time with each other and you guys are still holding on to the, the drama and the hate and the ugliness that they haven't even thought about, you know, since they left the house. It's just crazy. I, I don't know where this interv- ugliness comes from. Well, I didn't. I think I actually figured it out. I mean, I don't know if I'm right, but I'm speculating. But I, I did an interview while the season was on, and, and I was asked about all this hate and everything. And I said, I think I know where this comes from. And the interviewer actually said, really? Please tell me. And I said, well, think about it. What can you say nowadays without someone to be being offended? Nothing. You can't say anything. You can't say anything. Somebody is offended at something. No matter what it is you say, no matter how you say it, somebody is going to be offended. So now we have to repress it. Now we have to hold it in. Now we're not allowed to say anything. And it builds up. And if you, if you don't allow people to speak their minds, well, they get more and more angst about it. They get more and more frustrated. They get more and more antsy. So they go onto social media and they just spew this, this hatred and they just vomit all this venom on people because they can, because it's safe, because there's no repercussions. They can hide behind a computer screen. Well, that's why I was so excited about what Kurt Schilling did. It was a great thing to have done, but it didn't teach anybody anything because it continues to get worse because we are perpetuating our own down spiral. And that's sad. Yeah. And I think that's it really is. sad. So, so people go on these shows and they're excited to do it and, you know, and they're painted in a certain light that may or may not be how they really are, but uh, they're painted in a certain light and, and people just will hate on them. So, you know, I mean, the, the, you know, the vast majority of people that I talk to and meet, they're wonderful. They're awesome. Uh, I went to the great. I went to the Rodney Bowl this year, and there was a lady standing in the hotel lobby, and uh, we had had this question and answer session. This one young young man, like eighteen, nineteen years old, maybe, and he got up there and he's like, "I was excited to to attend the Rodney Bowl this year." Um, but when I heard that Dan Foley was coming, I was so excited because he is my favorite contestant of all time. And I was, I was very Aww. humbled. That was, yeah, he was very nice. And once the Q&A was over, I went straight to him and his mom, and I shook his hand. I gave him a big hug, and 
I couldn't thank him enough. And we took a hundred pictures together and he was super great kid. And we, we talked for, you know, a good 15, 20 minutes. And afterwards mom came over and she gave me a hug and she goes, you have no idea how much you just made his world a better place. And I'm like, no, no, he did that for me a hundredfold. And I went back to the hotel and there was a woman standing in the lobby and she's just staring at me out of the corner of her eye, kind of chewing on her thumb. And she's staring at me. I mean, she is giving me the stink eye. And I, I looked at her and I said, may I help you? And she just, are we allowed to swear on your show? I don't want to break any rules. Sure, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So, and she just looked at me and she goes, I thought you were an asshole on Survivor. And I'm like, yeah, a lot of people do. And she goes, well, I'm confused. I said, confused about what? She goes, there, there was genuine love in that room for you. I said, yeah, because I'm awesome. I'm a great guy. And she goes, did these people see the same show I saw? And I'm like, well, I said, if you want me to give the Dan Foley answer, then clearly these people are intelligent enough to see past and edit, and maybe you're not. And she just looked at me and smiled, and she goes, okay, touche. And after that, we just stood there talking for 20 minutes, and uh, we had a great conversation. She was awesome. I had a blast talking to her. And she gave me a big <laughs> hug after it was over. And, you know, I mean, some of the people you see on TV, they really are the jerks you see. And some people aren't. And some of the nice people you see on TV are real jerks. You know? I mean, do we have to talk about, um, uh, what the hell's his name? Some uh, Australian outback there. Who fell into the, Michael. Michael that fell into the fire. Scoopin? Scoopin. Mike Scoopin. Yeah, do we have to talk about him? Because Survivor made him look like a great person. You know? <laughs> Dored uh, Mike Scoopin, too, and I, I, my heart breaks. I just, I cannot, for the life of me, imagine Scoopin doing what he's been... Convicted of. He got convicted, convicted of. I, yeah, I oh, know. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away. I truly am. I'm clearly he he wasn't the person that he was shown to be. I know, and I, I do try to tell everybody who comes on our show to please do not judge anyone by what they are shown on their shows. Wait until they're off their show and judge them as the person they are after they come off their show. Because when they're on the show, the environment that they're living in is the most unnatural environment anyone could ever live in. They're living like on Survivor. You're living out, you know, on an island in the heat with, you know, strangers with cameras in your face. You haven't eaten in days. You're playing for, a ha- you know, for a half a million dollars. You're, I mean, or for a million dollars, whatever it might be. I mean, whatever the case might be, whether it's Big Brother, Survivor, The Amazing Race, whatever show it is. Right. The environment that you're living in is the most unnatural environment anyone could live in. You know, you don't have any of your comforts from home. You don't have your family, your, your electronics, your comforts from home at all, anything. And you're around all these strangers, all these cameras in your face 
it's just not natural. And so how can you be your complete and true self 100%? And so I say wait until after they come off the show and then see what kind of person they are once they're off the show. See if they interact with their fans. See if they do charity events. That's when you judge them, not while they're on the show and, and getting edited by people who clip edits and put them together, you know, or living in a big brother house and under all that stress or whatever the case might be. Wait sure. until they come out, out of the show and see how they act once they're off the show and interacting with people in their daily routine, see if they interact with their fans then, and they do charity work voluntarily, and then decide what kind of person you think they are. That's going to be their true self. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, and and that's a very, very accurate statement. You know, a lot of people behave very differently on the show. A lot of people. Um, you know, you're doing things. You know, my wife, before I left, she sat me down, she looked me in the eye, and she says, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. You have carte blanche to do or say anything you want to get you to the end of the game, except for touching another woman. I'm like, that's expected. I'm with you on that one. But she said, short of that, you can make promises that you break. You say anything you want to anybody, and you will. And I will never ever hold it against you. And I and and that's the attitude that I went in with. And you know, I mean, fortunately, I didn't feel like I did. I didn't have to change who I was. Uh, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm the nicest guy in the world you know, until you piss me off, but I'm not. But <laughs> but I, you know, for the most part, I was exactly who you see on the show and uh but for the most part yeah uh, you know some people behave very differently uh some people don't and you know at the end of the day i think this particular cast um millennial versus gen x i think they're i think most of these people are pretty true to who they are i don't really see a lot of these people behaving differently um from uh, from the show versus the outside world, which in a lot of ways I like that. I like that a lot because these this is the core of who these people are. This is the root of who these people are, and uh, I, I think that's well. With I the think exception, that's, there is an exception. Which one? Um. Oh gosh. Who's the one that was with Tiggy? Taylor. Tails. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, he already had somebody pregnant before he went on Survivor, right? <laughs> yeah, but how is that different than who he is? His attitude in the whole game was, whatever. Eh, whatever. I don't care. Yes, I'm eating everybody's <laughs> food. Eh, whatever. Oh, I got that girl pregnant. Eh, whatever. I'm going on to this one now. Eh, life is good. Whatever. <laughs> I think that's exactly who he is. I don't. I don't think he's any different. I think that's well, his laissez-faire. I don't care about anything. They were. He was making plans with Biggie 
for after the show, though. That's what I'm saying. He was making plans with Figgy. They were going to be doing all these things after they got off Survivor. Okay. And Is, Was, was uh, he in a committed relationship with this pregnant woman, or was this just a, you know, eh, let's hook up tonight kind of thing? Well, he's, I think, back with the baby mama now, so... <laughs> So whether he's in the was... game or whether he's whether he's in the game or out of the game, he's a flipper, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah. What do you? What do you, I mean? So how do you see, or who do you see winning this game? How do you see the matchups, and who do you think is? Do you think there's any scenario where Ken, or Hannah, or Brett could win this game? No. I mean, I think if that no. was the final three, if it was Ken, Hannah, and Brett, I think Ken wins it. How could those three make it to the final three, though? <laughs> well, I think it would – well, I mean – any of them are smart at this point. They recognize what a big threat these people are. Adam is the snake in the grass. He is, he is, the, he is the snake in the Garden of Eden. He's played a, not, not like a bad person, but he's been very crafty. He's been very stealthy. He's been very behind the scenes. He's been saying a lot of things to people, but he hasn't been uh, ostentatious about it. He hasn't been over the top. He's been very laid back. So he's been making huge moves behind the scenes, and I, I think he is the absolute bona fide threat. Um, I, but I think Jay, everybody knows Jay's threat. Everybody knows David is a threat. He is the absolute quintessential underdog story. And I think if those three are smart, then they'll say anything to anybody. All they need to get is passed is one vote, just one vote. And if those three stay strong, and just pick off those other those other three. I could That's see that true. being a final three. I could see that being a final three. But I don't think Ken or Hannah are smart enough to get rid of David. I don't think I don't but think. But would they need to get enough. rid of David, or would they need to get rid of Jay? Uh, um, Jay, because Jay is the one who's winning all the individual immunities right now. Right. So if Jay doesn't win the first individual immunity, Jay should go. And the next one, it should be it should be David. If they're smart. From a fan's perspective, I would love to see Adam, David, and Jay. I think that would be a fight to the death, but I seriously think that could be a tie vote. I think Jay and David could actually tie. But from a player's perspective, you want to pick these people off. And the fact that you got rid of both Will and Sunday over those two, that's just bad gameplay. That's just bad gameplay. Because if I'm it going really to the is. final tribal council, if I'm going to the final tribal council, do you want, do you really want to sit between Boston Rob and Parvati? Or would you rather sit between Russell Hansen coach? I mean seriously. Do you <laughs> no want to do you want to bring the 
biggest lame ducks to the end of the game with you. That's who you want to bring. And the fact, you know, I'm sure I'll get hate from Russell now and I'll get hate from coach now or all the Russell and coach lovers or whatever. But coach proves he can't win the game. You know, he made it to the end and he couldn't win. You know, Russell Hance made it to the end twice. He proved he can't win. He can't play the social part of the game. He proved it again and again. And the third time he played, everybody knew who he was. They targeted him immediately, and they picked him off. And one of the biggest badasses in Survivor went out crying. You know, I cried over my wife. Fine, that's not the same thing. I didn't cry over the game. So the fact that they got rid of of Will and Sunday was just sheer inexperience. It's just a, a total lack of knowledge of the game, in my opinion. In my I totally opinion. agree with you there. I totally I, agree with you there. I honestly do. I think that was totally just a, a waste of two votes. Yes. I think the last two were or mismanaged. Hundred percent. Absolutely. They, they they knew David was a threat. If they recognize how the game is played, if they recognize the way this jury is looking, and if they recognize how these people have made it through the game. Jay, he's been at the bottom of the food chain for a long time and he's still in the game. David is the classic underdog story. And again they let him stay to get rid of a goat. That is just stupid. I'm sorry, that's just my opinion, but it's just stupid. It's just bad gameplay. As much as I would love to see that final three of Adam, David, and Jay in the final three, you are absolutely correct, sir. That, I mean... I I think it will prove how bad these people are at this game. If they, if they let those three make it as the final three, it will just prove how bad they are at this game. Ken, Brett, and Hannah have to have enough knowledge, intuition, savvy, and just in the game itself to understand that those people are going to win the game. If any one of you three go to the, game, go to the end of the game with them, Hannah, all, that you, all you are is a seat filler, just like Sunday was. There's no scenario that I see that she can win. Based upon what they've shown us and the edit and everything else, I don't see there's any scenario where she could win this game. But, you know, something. And in the commercial, we saw that David is thinking ahead enough to be making a fake hidden immunity idol. Yes. Yep. So and it looks like a pretty good one, too. I know. It does. It really does. So yeah, he like- may fake them out with that. Because how many Maybe. has he already had this season? He's already had three? two. Two or two of them. Two. He had so, two. And he didn't use either one for himself. Nope. But he did use them both successfully. No, he didn't. No, I take it back. The second one he used for Ken, and Ken got zero votes that night. Sorry about that. Adam told him to play his idol the second time, and Adam and uh, David was about to play it, and then Adam said, I heard them talking yeah, about Ken. Right. So he played it for Ken, and Ken got no votes or one vote, I think it was. 
and um, you know, and Hannah had told him, I think they're coming for me. I think they're coming for me. And people were like, oh, he was going to play for Hannah. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He was never going to play that idol for Hannah. That was never going to happen. Not a chance. Yeah, I remember that now. So Adam Adam changed it. Yep. When he heard Adam him talking at tribal. Well, apparently, what we didn't see was that uh, Ken's name was being thrown around all day, very predominantly. It was Zeke so, that actually sort of got his voice heard, said said it loud enough so that Jay heard it. Um, I think. No, I think Zeke was sitting to David's right from our perspective, and Adam was sitting to David's left, and then it was Brett and Sunday. It was, it was definitely Brett to the left of Adam. And I can't remember who he was whispering with, but um, that's when Adam made that comment. I think Zeke was sitting on the other side of of David that night. I could be wrong. I could be wrong on that one, but I'm pretty sure that's how it went. Because Hannah was to the left of Jessica, who was sitting in the front row. Because Zeke was actually to the right behind Hannah, excuse me, to the right behind Jessica. And Hannah was on the same level as Jessica to her left. So Hannah was to the left, Zeke was to the right. And I think David was sitting directly behind Hannah. I think. Don't quote me on that. Anyway, he yeah. he did play one of them very well, and one of them that that didn't go so well. But no, he we'll played see both if, of them badly. Fake one. He, he played both of them badly because the first one he played for Jessica. Everybody was going to vote for Jessica, and he even said it himself: "I played my idol for somebody that nobody likes." That's a bad move. Just because it was a successful save doesn't mean it was a good move. I mean, Jessica turned out to be a, a good character in the game. I actually enjoyed her. Uh, I enjoyed her quite a bit. Um, I, I, I hated to see her go the way she did. A rock draw, yeah. that to me, is that's like medical elimination. That breaks my heart. I, I never want to see anybody go out like that. Speaking of which, we didn't see any of that this season. Yeah, that's good. You know, no more digging through three feet of sand in 112-degree weather. Way to go, Survivor Production. Real nice. (laughs) They made up for it last season with three of them. Yeah, I never want to see medical eliminations, ever. I never want to see that. that. That, to me, is just, that's just terrible. That's a terrible way to be taken out of the game. I'm looking forward to Wednesday night and seeing how this does play out. You and me both. A great finale. Our host for our Survivor show, Mike Albright, is flying out there and will be out there at the finale. 
Pussy Will. And, um, <laughs> I love my meeting all the Absolutely love that man. Yes. And we will not have a Mike and the Mike Survivor recap show this week because he will be flying in late Thursday night, early Friday morning. And so we will have Survivor Recap wrap-up the following Thursday. Next Thursday. So the Thursday before Christmas. Yes. All right. So I'm sure he will have lots to talk about since he's been out there meeting all the new cast, and we'll probably have a few great guests joining him and lots of scuttle from the um, finale to talk about and all kinds. He's also going to a couple of shows out there. I think he's going to be on Kimmel tonight um, in the audience. So I want to ask you too, have, have you watched a show called Alone on the History Channel? I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, Have you watched a show called Alone on the History Channel? I have not. I've heard really good things about it, though. Oh, my gosh. If you get a chance, they just started the third season last week. Oh, did they? Maybe I'll go back and catch it then. It's one of the best shows I have ever, ever watched. And one of the reasons I love it is because there can be no manipulation from production because they film themselves. Oh, really? When Yes. When they get chosen in the beginning of each season, they do what's called... Um, a making the cut episode and it shows you how they choose the people and what they go through to train them before they let them before they place them out in the woods and they train them on the use of three to five different cameras and they train them on what sort of dangers there are in the woods that they're going to be facing and all kinds of things. Of course, they should be prepared for most of this when they come up there, but yeah, of course. they train them on all, all kinds of things that are strictly to that area that they're going to. Um, and so they spend days up there in training before they're ever released out into the woods. And part of the training is learning how to use these cameras. And so they actually film themselves. There is no cameraman with them at all. And when they get dropped off, they're dropped off in an area that's miles and miles away from the next person. So what if you want to They never see another individual. What if If you want to tap out? How do you you get out? They have a a button that they push, and the people that, that come and rescue you have to come by boat, and they're miles away. Like last season, there was a girl that damn near cut her thumb off. And she had to sit there and wait for them for quite some time before the boat got there. And 
you know, it was pretty crazy. I mean, there's bears, there's wild boar, there's all kinds of predators. I remember Um, hearing the the first season that one guy tapped out after, like, the first day because there was a bear in the area, and he's like, I'm out. That was last season. That was last season? season. Okay. That was last season. Now, the first season was the best season. That was when Alan, a guy named Alan Kay won the first season, and he narrates much of what we hear on, like, the um, opening cut, the editor's cut, and all that kind of thing. He is, like, reality gold. He was the most entertaining guy I've ever seen spend months out in the woods by himself. He was just amazing. He went, like, 48, 49 days, something like that? I forget exactly how long he was out there, but he was out there quite a while. I think it was like 63 or something like that. Okay, I knew it was way up there. Yeah, he was up there for just shy of two months. And uh, I had heard something about production showed up, and they're like, hey, you won. Everybody else is out. And he goes, really? I could have done this for another two months. He was happy. He was yeah, thrilled. He, yeah, he, um, what they do is... is um, they bring like the doctor and saying, you know, they're going to check you out, you know, medically just to make sure you're okay. And, and then like for him, they had his wife walk in behind him. They had brought his wife in. Okay. And surprised him. And wow. Last year when they did that with the winner, they had his daughter walk in because he yep. was divorced and his kids lived with him and his daughter walked up behind him. But they always, oh. you know, say we're going to come in and, and have the medics check you, you know. And, uh, That's cool. You know, one of the uh, relatives one, will walk in. One of the shows that I'm really looking forward to seeing, and i got to tell you, I thought very seriously about applying for this show, was um, it's on CBS again. It's called Hunted. Have you heard about this show? I've seen the commercials. My husband and I want to watch this. Now, what is this about? You can tell me. Uh, basically, you've got like, I think it's CIA, FBI, and U.S. Marshals hunting for uh, two people. So there's a team of two, and or there's several teams of two. And in this day and age of technology and uh, you know total connectivity, could you hide in plain sight? Could you evade capture from some of the best? people in the world. And I would love to play that game. <laughs> that game sounds awesome. Oh, man, I would love that, too. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm actually real, I'm real interested in watching that show. Listen, I'm actually here at that work. That gets my so. wheels spinning. Okay, I, I know you need to go. Um, I do. I've, I've been on the phone for almost an hour and a half with you, and I, I'm going to get in trouble. I know. You, <laughs> One of my coworkers, I, I actually bailed him out of a jam a couple nights ago, so he's. I told him that I was I was doing an interview, so he said he'd cover for me. So. Well, but, thank uh, you so I, much, Dan. It's been such a pleasure. I could talk to you forever. I, I enjoy you so much. Thank you so much. I hope you and your family have a wonderful Christmas. And Jerry, it's always feel a pleasure. Please feel free to call in. I, I'm certainly very and, humbled to, to have been asked to have come on the show again. Um, you know, I tease Michelle, but I, I love that woman to pieces. 
Uh, she's Aww. never been anything but just warm and open and just kind to me. And um, she got to spend some time with my wife recently. And, uh, and oh, just that's so cool. My wife just gushed over her. She's like, oh, she is just so nice. And, is that the Michelle you've been talking about all this time? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, you can spend time with her anytime you want. And she's just, Aww. I just, I, I do. I genuinely enjoy talking to her. So please, please send her my love next time you talk to her. But um, it was nice will. to have. It was nice to have you to myself for a change. Oh, well, thank you so much, Dan. And I agree. I my sentiments exactly. It was nice to have you to myself as well. Sorry I kept you so long, but it was just no, so no. enjoyable talking to you. It was great. This and was a this was a good discussion. I enjoyed myself immensely. Feel free to come back in two weeks if you'd like to talk to us. Uh, on the Thursday show when um, Mike gets back, you're welcome to call in and chat with us. But thank please you. have wonderful holidays. And, again, you thank as well. you so much for calling in tonight. You take care, babe. You as well, Cherry. Merry Christmas All to right. you. Merry Christmas. All right. You take All care, All right. Babe. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Wow. I am just so, so thrilled that Dan was able to stay on with me that long. He is just one of my favorites, and I know some people may not agree, but I adore Dan, and I really could have talked to him for another hour and a half because we agree on a lot of things, Um, but I am really excited about this Survivor finale coming up. It's been one of my favorite Survivor seasons, and I can't wait to see how it plays out because there is a lot of scenarios that could happen to, you know, to get to the final three, some of which Dan and I just went over and it's going to be interesting to see what takes place, to see who makes it to the final three and who wins this season of Survivor Millennials versus Gen X. Um. And I just talked a little bit about Alone. It is on the History Channel. It's on Thursday nights. And if you get a chance, check it out. It is absolutely one of my all-time favorite reality shows. Um, Like I said, there can be no production involved, no production manipulation, uh, because they don't have cameramen. They don't have production piecing bits and pieces of film together because they film themselves and you see it as they film it. And these people are in some of the most dangerous areas ever. Um, The first two seasons were filmed up in Vancouver Island, but now they have moved them to Patagonia, which is uh, near Argentina in South America, and this is even more dangerous than they were in Vancouver Island. And let me tell you, it is wicked where they're at. Um, It's mountainous. The weather is cold, and the winds are, like, at times... Plus 60 plus miles an hour. Um, they have snow. 
it's just crazy. But these people have to, you know, build their own shelters. They have to find their own water source. They have to find their own food source. They have to do everything. They have to live completely alone. And part of the the battle of it all is the human psyche just being alone for that long. So check it out if you can. Um, and let me know if you're watching. Because I wouldn't mind talking about it a little bit more on one of our shows. Um, I'm going to wrap up tonight's show. Thank you all so much for being with us tonight. The people who join me in my chat room, Jason, Leah, thank you so much for being here tonight. My regular friends out there who are with me thick and thin, love you guys so much. And Michelle, I hope you made a bundle out there at Gillette Stadium. I hope the Patriots are winning. And I miss you, girl. We're going to close tonight's show with Ron, as we always do. I hope everybody's getting their Christmas shopping, too. Um, I still haven't finished mine, but I don't have as many to buy for anymore as I used to. Um, But we're going to close tonight's show, as we usually do with Ron. Everybody take care. Here's Ram to take us out tonight. God bless everybody. I want to finish off the show with a little music and say to all of my listeners, thank you guys and thank you all for coming in. God bless you, and thank you for listening to the show. And it was a great one. And a great big thanks to Dan Foley from Survivor Worlds Apart for being with me tonight. That's a wrap for me tonight. Everybody take care. Get your shopping done. Bake your cookies. Get ready for Christmas next Monday with Michelle Costa here on Manic Mondays. Good night, all. God bless.